What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 110.1. Had to look that up real quick, but I, I got it. And um, we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Inscription. I know we, uh, we took a week off last week. A few things were happening. Uh, particularly, I was in a lot of pain last week. I'm still in pain, but not as bad. But, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're chugging light right along. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And returning guest, Anthony. Hello. So yeah, inscription, man. This, uh, this game's weird. <laughs> <laughs> this game is <laughs> to weird. Say, yeah. To say the least, but, um, yeah, we, uh, we left off. We had, we had finished basically act one and we had briefly talked about act two, just, just like in passing kind of thing. It wasn't really, we were detailing anything. So when you beat act one, we get the videos of the uh, lucky Carter, lucky card gamer. What was his name? Lucky, the lucky Carter. Luke yeah. Carter? No, well, his, his YouTube channel. Yeah. The lucky Carter. Uh, but Luke, yeah. And, um, how he found this floppy disk in the woods. And this is basically, uh, the, the whole first act of this is basically the footage of him recording his monitor playing this floppy disk. Which the rest of the game kind of is as well. And so, um, the next thing that happens, act two, is taken in almost like a eight or sixteen bit game that has an overworld map. Yeah, so this is supposed to be the actual game of inscription. Like this was the game that they were building. Right. And what you played before was what transpired after I suppose. Yeah. So what, what we're introduced to is that there were scribes, uh, basically people, these, these scribes were given the power to create this world that they live in. And, um, they were kind of all powerful. There was, uh, scribes for, for four different styles. So you had like the, the scribe of, of, of nature, which was Leshy, the, the scribe of technology, which is PO3, the scribe of the dead, I guess. Is that what it, what they're yeah, considered? Yeah, the dead? Whatever. Yeah. And that, what was that one's name? Grimora. Grimora. And then the magical scribe. I don't know what, what you would consider the other one. I guess magic. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's the yeah. one thing I can. He's magic. Yeah, and his name was I can't remember what his name was either. Wizard, wizard man, wizard man, magnificus, magnificus. Thank you, Matt. Matt with his studious notes. Well, one of us um, has to do that. I, I used to, but I just that's why we don't have any subscribers. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, no, it's because you invite <laughs> me on, please. But yeah, so. We're having to go 
through this overworld map. We're going to the four corners to kick the shit out of some scribes. Yeah. Um, and you can take these on however you want. Well, you get to choose a deck to take them on however you want. That's true. So when you drop into the world, you have the choice of one of the four styles. Right. What did everybody choose? Matt, what did you choose? I think I picked Grimora's. And it was based around bones as the currency. Right. And I kind of wish I hadn't, because it was annoying. Because I kept trying to build it more towards what I was used to, more towards the Leshy style. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up with half of what I needed of two different currencies, instead of all of what I needed of the currency I was trying to use. So it took a, a few rounds before I had enough cards to really sub out all the crap cards and actually build a, a deck that was somewhat reasonable. Gotcha. How about you, Anthony? I started up when, well, clearly Leshy's deck is going to be the one that I need to play as, because that's what I learned. Um, tried it, but the cards are very weak in Leshy's deck uh, starting out. Um, I mean, they all are, but Leshy's like, comparison to what you end that first segment with uh, it was like way too big of a step back. So yeah. I restarted, which I don't think either of you two did, right? No, no, not at so all. So when you restart, the character that's intro- like that says, uh, I can't remember if he's the one that's building the bridge or whatever, one of the NPCs mentions the fact, ah, I guess you didn't like that deck, huh? <laughs> oh, interesting. And I was like, all right, <laughs> they planned for this. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, so I, I went with, I believe, uh, PNO3's deck yep. afterwards. And that's what I started with as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I went with the technology deck. Um, Which would have made Act 3 maybe make more sense? It, 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 I definitely understood it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, so... there's the, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there, but... Um, that is the thing that I did like was that um, by this segment you know two of the different play styles. Um, it's funny, Drew, that you kind of just jumped straight into a play style you weren't familiar with. Uh, well, Matt, obviously you chose the un- the undead, which was par- the second half of Leshy's segment. Yeah, right. So uh, I and then I chose a segment that I or a section that I thought I knew and clearly just did not know how to use. Um, now, you get a little bit of free roaming here. Which direction did you go first? I went straight to Leshy's cabin. Yeah, me too. All right, so that was a thing that we all did. All right. And I kind of um, figured this was a little bit of a progression, right? Like, I picked Bones because that was introduced in the second half of Leshy, so I figured, all right, that's like the second deck you learn. It's the second most powerful, maybe, or the second... Second least complicated, I guess, and I'll, I'll slowly build up. And then, you know, when I had the ability to go into the overworld, I'm like, all right, well, Leshy is your basically your starting zone. It's what we started in Act One with, so it's probably the easiest of the four here as well. That was my kind of my, my thinking on both sides. Yeah, that's what I was assuming as well. Granted, I don't think I actually planned it out. I was just like, all right, 
in every game I go right. So I went down <laughs> and to the right and then went up and I was like, okay, well I'll just go here. And then I realized, oh, I'm at Leshy's cabin. And you start running into people that you recognize. So like, you know, on the, once you leave the overworld, you go into another smaller map that's basically zoomed in. There's the cabin. There's the prospector. There's the, the, the angler. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you can run into these characters and these are actually the characters you have to, you have to defeat. So you start out with a simple deck and you can find booster packs, um, hidden away or whenever you beat an enemy you can get uh more cards as well so yeah I, I started there um and going through and you know you're solving small little puzzles that kind of thing um and it all has to do with the the scribe that you're you're taking on essentially so basically what you are in this in this portion of the game, you are the challenger who is going to try and take over the spot of one of the scribes that are currently there. So, uh, and, and you actually get a little bit more of the story when you go through Leshy's cabin because PO three shows up and, um, talking about, they, they have it like a little exchange, basically not, you know, obviously they have a history and they're not happy with each other. And Leshy's like, oh, I think you guys would enjoy just being a, being a, a card. Be, why don't you just be like a little, uh, a little stoat or something like that. So that was one of the things I, I, I noticed was that obviously when you're playing the first act, the card faces are changing to look more like the scribes that you're running into. Um, and that's when you realize that the, the cars that were helping you escape Leshy's cabin were the other scribes. Yeah. Essentially. Not, not former players or former people that were stuck in here necessarily, but the scribes. Yeah. So after beating Leshy, I then moved south and took on, uh, the, uh, the undead creatures. Which isn't as exciting because the characters you're fighting are not recognizable. Yeah. But, um, did you find the secret passageway on, on the way to Lushy's cabin? On the overworld map, there's, there's like two secret areas, I believe. Where the dock is? I ran it, I ran into the dock where they had the, uh, the, the, the tentacle. Yeah. Yep, that's that's the one, and the other uh-huh. one is the maybe it's not a secret, um, but you can uh, find the um, mycologists. What is it called? The oh, the mushroom, the, the splitter guys. Yeah, the mushroom brothers. Yeah, um, I did not run into those guys. Yeah, no. they're they're on the overworld. Like you go, um, kind of where it branches north and south. I believe they're like right there. If you move to the right, there's like a mushroom. You push your character onto that, and then you can go inside. What happens there, dude? I don't remember. <laughs> it was, oh, but it okay. was just—it was one of those things where there was some hidden stuff on the map that was really neat. Um, it's a very basic overworld. Like, there's one more secret I think in this, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, it, it right. kind of looks like it's set up to be a whole game, but it 
the scope of it really isn't there. I mean, it you know, it's, it's meant to represent a real game, but not actually be a whole game. I mean, this I mean, Act also, 2 was the shortest for me. I also think, um, yeah, Act 2 is the shortest, but I also think that, like, it's supposed to be an older DOS sort of game, right? Like, it would have been on a yeah. floppy disk. One single floppy disk. <laughs> kind of forgive some of it within the world building. Sure. Yeah. I don't think it was... Also, I don't think it was finished, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're going way ahead here, but yeah, I, I, I don't think they ever don't, finished the game. I think you're correct. So, um, yeah. Now we move over to... Uh, I do. I actually do PO3 the last, so I did the yeah, I don't think magician. You, I don't think you have a choice. Ah, did the magician? I'll go ahead and say it. I hate the magician's deck for the boss fight. Oh, I, I hate. I hate. Period. I hate. I hate that. <laughs> I, hate I hate the symbols. The symbols. Yeah, the gems. You need to have a gem to power up the. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, this is the hardest part to grasp in the game, and I didn't get it until way closer to the end. I mean, I got it. It was just annoying. Yeah, because I, it was like, mm, go ahead. Man. I was just gonna say on paper, I think it it sounds cool. I mean, it's it. That's the closest thing I would say. Kind of plays out to like magic because you have to put down a useless card in order to bring out other cards. You know what I mean? I've never played Magic, so I'll take your word for that. Yeah, but but in Magic, you know, you put down a land card, which then supplies you with mana that you can then summon creatures. Ah. But the problem is, is that you have a place where you put your lands, and you have a place where you put your creatures. In this game, yeah. you have to put your gems, which is your land, where your creatures are supposed to go. And it's just kind of like, mm. yeah. I just feel like it wasn't thought out. That happened to me a lot at the, you know, basically in the whole second half of this game, and I, I couldn't tell if, yeah, if, if it felt like a design flaw, or if it was just that much more strategy needed in where you place things. And I'm like, all right, I have fewer options. Is that because I'm meant to be planning further in advance? Right, like you need to know kind of what the what the pattern is of how the enemies are coming at you to kind of know where you can place your useless characters, either as blockers or behind a tree or, or whatever you're going to do. If I'm correct, right. do you, ha- I can't recall. Do you have to summon them too? Like do you have to, sa- you don't have to sacrifice anything, right? For them to come out. No. Yeah. But it, you require the gemstone necessary, which right. uh, that's, that's your trade off, right? Like, um, you know, going to Leshy's deck again because it's the one that's the first off. Like, you need to have a squirrel, but say you don't really have any good cards worth playing in your hand, you need to draw the squirrel card. That, but that's your turn for a card that'll actually do you favors. Like, there was enough times in the first portion of the game where I was like drawing a squirrel card to just kind of hold off my death one more turn. Yeah. yeah. And that isn't the case with the wizard's desk. So you you trade one bad scenario for another. And I think that was kind of a smart thing, that this wizard deck is very different. Um, and that's the reason why I said, like, kind of last week, or well, two weeks ago, whatever, um, last episode, 
was that uh, I was kind of surprised you went with um, uh, PO, uh, PO3's deck because in that particular scenario, it's somewhat of uh, similar, but then there's cards that you need to have the power beacons for, and they don't do anything without that. And so you start getting to this more complex system, but like the systems combine fairly well, like as we'll see in the later half of this game. Um, I thought it was kind of ingenious that like there's four different sort of distinct play styles and that you can kind of fuse them together to have like a half and half deck rather than, you know, like elements, which kind of like never really affect one another. It's just like, now I can do fire and water damage or whatever. Right. Like this is like, no, these two have to work together in a specific way. Otherwise you'll just have a deck full of shit cards. That's exactly how magic works. Okay. So with magic, the gathering, you have five different colors and those colors represent certain types of... Now, you may have a, a all-black deck that has abilities like a white deck, but a black deck focuses more on lifesteal, right? Yeah. And then a white deck focuses more on healing. So you can steal life, and if you combine that with a white with white cards, you can also gain life. So it's, like, it's almost like an infinite life kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if that was the way you wanted to theme it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can build them so, to work together in different ways. Different. Yeah, there's tons of synergies with with magic. Um, that you know, the cat like this act two allowed me to kind of experiment how I would with magic cards. Yep. Because you could take the 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 best of best of both worlds and combine them together. You did you? you I'm assuming you ran into slime boy. Yes. Yeah. You run in. You run into slime boy okay. in the in the tower. Yeah. Um, we see how he became slime. Yeah. Magnificus, Magnificus turned him into slime and is, is always in pain as part of a, a test. He's one of the apprentices. There's also another apprentice who is in complete and total, uh, darkness. Well, it's not even just darkness. It's everything. It's, it's, uh, sensory deprivation. I like we will the, we'll run into a little bit later. I like the tower climb because of the tone of everything. Because like the the worst segment in this this entire section is is the um, undead area. That's the most boring to me. It really was because like they're just a bunch of dead things. Like it's not that those characters lacked character. I guess is the way I can say like. You know, the Wizard Tower had character. You knew the characters from Lushy's segment, and then PNO3's, like, factory. Um, all the robots that you talk to <laughs> kind of don't want to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, and... Um, there were gimmicks to each of the bosses... I can't remember them at this point. I thought Piano yeah. Threes, I think, was the easiest. Is that the one with the with the camera? Um, where it would like take a picture of the the board layout, and then you could that's, reset that's back later. to that. That's later, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they're pretty. Oh, the is it P N O three or is it P O three? 
I think it's PO3, because PNO3... It, the problem is Project Number 3 is what I'm thinking of when I say PNO3. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the Capcom game for GameCube. Right. I remember that. Yeah, I believe so, it's PO3. PO3's boss fight gimmick was all the cards were on a conveyor belt. Oh, yeah. And they eventually turned into his cards. If you let them keep going. Yes, and so I would play shit that I knew was going to be bad on his side and <laughs> in a moment, and then just bash, bash his yeah. teeth in. That's right. That's right. I remember that now. Um. Yeah, they all had gimmicks. This segment is very basic, though. Like the all the battles that you play are are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. And if you lose, you don't have to start over in some sense. You can just hit continue. Yeah, God bless you. They literally go, ah, you lost. <laughs> and they, they're like, oh, you want to battle again? Okay. Yeah, yeah I kind Which of thought nice. this whole, like, act two would be a bit longer and deeper. Right? Like, the fights aren't very hard. You don't really, like, build up. Like, when you start act one, you start with such a bad deck. And, you know, by the end of it, you have this amazing deck. Here, I mean, that that still happens. But I I kind of thought there would be like either more bosses or more difficult bosses or something that caused you like I never actually had to think about my deck. I basically I subbed in better cards when I got them and I kept going. It never once got hard. I, I, I think know. this I, is I, the segment where they start kind of. This is almost the we have to have this segment in here. To make the third portion of this game be worthwhile. And I think it's a better than dumping like a video on us and saying, this is the lore. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, no, you are playing an old PC game. Like, this is a thing. This is what it l- would look like if there wasn't something weird going on. Right. Yeah. It just because felt a little strange you... having built so many different, like, sets of mechanics. To then barely use most of them. I... I I understand. To me, it was like... A... An interest... Like, are we referring to, like, from the first segment, like, losing some of the mechanics from, like, Section 1, Blushy's Cabin, to now? Or are we talking from the mid-section, where it's all 2D, to the final segment? Well, I would say first to second, but then even just the multiple decks, right? The multiple different deck types and mana types, if you will. Well, I think some of that does come back into the final segment. Yeah. Um, And I think it's more of just to really, again, build a lore out. Because, like, yeah, most of the cards you can skip over if you don't pick that as your original deck. Yeah. Right? So, you know, do you need squirrels? By that point, probably not. Um, it, uh, to me, this game was... And I gave it, again, I gave it a 10 because it was like... I thought everything was perfect here. That doesn't mean that we couldn't see an expansion upon it. Um, or, or uh, you know, seeing these effects be brought out more. But, like... I felt like it was a... It was, a smart narrative decision to have this sort of constant sort of change. Yeah. So yeah, you agreed. weren't being able to use the same mechanics, but also that it made sense within the story of what is happening. 
Um, so I, I'm yeah. not upset about mechanics disappearing, especially when one of them is the wizard deck, which is is my least favorite. Um, it, it's like I don't know. There was just the, I understand because like I I think I said last episode, but I used to play Yu Gi Oh. That game is unplayable now if you don't sort of work from the beginning to now mentally like because it's such a different game so if you've missed the last 10 years of it and you try to jump back in it's a totally different game like the meta narrative is so different because like there's so much feature creep so i don't know it's just it kind of made sense that the card game would slowly change throughout the game as it introduced new cards to me um, and it didn't stop doing that at any point. Uh, doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to see some of them expanded out. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see a multiplayer mode figured out for this because I would love to play against someone. Um, but it, you know, again, it just didn't it didn't shock me that things changed, and I wasn't like so attached to any one playing style that by the end of section two that I was like, oh, I don't get to play with those cards anymore. Yeah, especially when they kind of copied and pasted some of the cards between styles. Yeah, you have your, like, what is it, the skeleton is the grave one, where it's like, you summon it for it to die, basically, and then you just get bones for free. It's the squirrel. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the dog, the one that would jump in front of open attackers. Yeah. Like, that that showed up in at least two different play styles. Yeah, and a lot of the sigils like crossed over. They didn't really change those up any. Yeah. Yeah, there was a few that were very specific to the deck you were playing, but otherwise. Um, yeah. Now, in Piano 3, or Piano 3, there I did it go. PO3's <laughs> area. Um, how did you tackle this? Because I, I don't know if there was two ways of handling it. I went through all the robots, because you just battle them like normal, down the, yep. to where the conveyor line is. The guy fishes it out. You don't have to battle him, right? No. He he refuses to battle you because he says his job is too important. Yeah, okay. That's right. Um, I just didn't know if it was like an option I chose in hindsight. Did you follow the thing that he fishes out back up? I tried to, but I lost it. Yeah. Okay. I followed it at least for one or two screens, and then... It disappeared, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, it happened to me too. I was just wondering if that was a thing that happens. The weird glitch. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I was like, where the hell is it? And I sat there for a little while. I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just go fight him. So I fought PO3, beat him, and then we're able to go and replace ourselves with, or replace one of the scribes as I ourself. Now, did you offer a tribute to the thing in the crypt yes no so matt you saw the demon right yep so drew you missed the demon the the red-eyed demon i believe yes you actually go into that area and i think you see him yeah you do see and then that plays out later on in the next segment yeah, I didn't. I did. There, there was a I didn't. 
there was a part where you had to get two cards to be in this in you know positions two and three at the right time, and then it would fuse together to make the offering. Yeah, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't do any of that. Yeah, it's there's a lot in this game of like stuff you can miss that's not even essential to the main game. Yeah. I like that fact, but it was sometimes annoying because you'd come across something later and be like, oh, fuck, I don't have that because I didn't do the thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it was it was kind of oh. cool, you know, in Act 2, again, why I kind of thought there would be more to it was that each area had its own, like, card shop. So you could get your foils and you could spend them to buy packs or cards. The the packs of cards idea is even in digital form I still get a kick out of that in in like <laughs> card games like yeah give me that pack of cards yeah um what's my rare yeah so like my favorite of like the Yu Gi Oh games even though the new one is good the one that I play on Switch not the newest one but the one that I've been playing on Switch that like goes through the anime storyline whatever I don't give a shit about that but um the DS game Nightmare Troubadour for Yu Gi Oh buying packs of cards was like the shit and you'd have to battle to get money for them i love that just there's something there's still a joy that i get out of like oh yeah this is gonna go in my deck right away let me tell you anthony you really need to download magic arena no i don't i don't need another i don't need listen listen i don't need another form of like crack entertainment in my life all right you you with your mobile games your it magic is so arena, good. you're just trying to get me on drugs, Drew. Just fucking <laughs> sell me crack, alright. Magic Arena can also be played on the PC. Yeah, okay. I'm not playing it there either. I can't do another card game, Drew. Oh, so good. I, so I can't. Good. I, I, I know too much about Pokemon, too much about Yu-Gi-Oh, too much about Inscription. I can't do... <laughs> I can't do magic. It is one of I the cool the things OG? about Inscription, that it is a standalone, kind of self-contained card game. It doesn't... It doesn't ask you to spend money and, and continue to upgrade it for years and for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, I've never spent money on Magic Arena. <laughs> yeah, but you've spent money on Magic cards, and there you go. I mean, yeah. yeah that's I don't need because here's the thing, Drew. You know that's not going to just stick to Magic Arena. Oh, I get a code if I buy packs of Magic cards. That'll be the thing. <laughs> And then I'll just be sitting uh, on a stack of magic cards. Ugh, no, boss, you 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 actually do get codes if you buy magic. I decks. know that's how the fucking Pokemon <laughs> cards work too. I'm good. That's the reason why I'm like, oh. no, I'm not doing that. I can't. I can't. I can't. And you know what almost got me? Japanese magic cards. There were like Godzilla ones. Yeah, yeah. they look. I nice. can't, man. They look. They nice. were awesome. I saw one. In, I saw a couple in person, and I was like, yep gonna fight this off <laughs> oh, there was so there was some really good looking ones matt and i were talking about it and um uh oh, what was the the about two two expansions ago matt the one i got into with the the school of magic yeah strixhaven strixhaven oh yeah, man no. some of the some of the card design and that was fantastic the, the magic, ma- listen magic cards are way better looking than uh pokemon's i mean pokemon is pokemon most of them look like pokemon um, but the, like, the design in Magic the Gathering is fantastic um, because it's all semi-cohesive, which is a problem with Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, some of the stuff just doesn't look like it belongs with other things. Um, 
And they've gone and, crazy like, the last few years with like borderless cards and special editions, and so some of yeah, them really do look awesome. Pokemon does the same thing, which is weird because they're not made by uh, the same company anymore. Um, but yeah, like that, and that's another thing that I liked about Inscription was like all the cards were cohesive, like even amongst like even across the different styles. Yeah. So yeah, who they, did uh... you choose to usurp? Uh, PO3. Yeah, I I did as well. I was going to pick Magnificus because I could have swore I fought him last in I... Act Two, and I so I just in my mind I'm like, oh, that's the hardest deck. So if there's anyone I want to replace, it's going to be him. But I ended up going PO3. I'm not sure why. I, I did PO3 as well. Oh wow! <laughs> so so fun fact though, if you choose anybody else, PO3 still pushes his way in. So, kind of figured. Yeah, but it's like it, it, the same interruption happens, so it doesn't really matter who you choose because PO3 will interrupt, and now you're in the third segment of the game after some videos. Right. So yeah, the uh, after we, we beat Act Two, we're introduced again to Luke, um, and we see a few more um, clips. Uh, particularly him trying to contact the game company um, that made um, Inscription and asked them, hey, did you guys make a video game? And they're like, nope. They're like, this number has been disconnected. (laughs) Yeah. And then later on, he gets an email saying... If you do have a video game based on inscription, you need to send it back to us as soon as possible because we're going to sue you if you don't. Yeah, it doesn't exist, but if it does, we need it. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. It's very U.S. government of them. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, well, this is kind of weird. What the hell? Is this the part where we see the woman show up at his house? I I think so, yeah. 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 I think one of the last videos is... um, you heard the good oh, news of Jesus Christ. Also, give me that disc back. Yeah. So she's the, uh, he gets an, a knock at his door, and he films it, and uh, he's like, "Hey," and she's like, "Hey, I'm with Game Funa, and um, we heard that you had a inscription video game disc." And he's like, "No, I, <laughs> nope, I don't have it." Must be. Don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, "Well." You are Luke the Lucky Carter, right? You have a YouTube channel. You're uploading video <laughs> that, that I watch. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "The Hoblong who, who, who did you say you were again?" And he's like, "Also, how did you get past the gate up here?" <laughs> and she, she's just like, "All right, here, I'll, I'll just give you my card. If you find it, please give us a call." And that's it. I I like this setup. Yep. I like yeah. the idea that like card company is like, yeah, you shouldn't have that. Probably, so uh, not not a good thing. So I I did start getting like when I, when I saw these these sets of videos, I started getting creepy pasta vibes. I mean, yeah, uh, you do. There is some creepy pasta vibes that we'll go into later. Yeah. 
I'm just like, hmm. I, I get the feeling we are. This is this is a cursed game, <laughs> and he is he is being cursed. It's going to turn into Ben drowns again. Oh God! Yeah. Pets got. Yeah. Or that that one Russian game where that, you play as either the invisible demon or the girl. The one, the one Russian game, uh, Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I've played that game. Yep. Let me tell you something. That game is hard to play. Yes, it it really works off of uh, Russian jank. Oh man, <laughs> no kidding. So yeah, we move into Act Three. Uh, Act Three um, basically starts now, with. It, or, what? Doesn't it zoom out of the monitor and it's Po 3s face that you like zoom out of? Doesn't it just, like, effortlessly move into this, the transition, seamlessly? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it is, because I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so PO3 basically has taken over the game and um, has uh, decided uh, he's going to run the game now. And uh, he wants the player to uh, basically finish his game to get ready for the great trends. What is it? Transcendence. 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 So we are back in a pseudo Leshy's cabin. I mean, it's a locked room. Essentially. Yeah. And you're sitting at a table. It's also, it's also kind of built a little bit like his little factory that he had in his. Yes. Yes. 2D section. So you're you're in like a dark factory looking area. Looking at a hologram board. Which, yeah. that's where I was like, okay, that's cool. And everything changes to match the theme. Yeah. Like, it's no longer teeth being dropped. It is nuts. <laughs> like, machinery nuts to, like, I'm like, that is ingenious. <laughs> yep. And um, there is a couple of things. So there's there's new mechanics that are added. Some of the mechanics we were introduced to in Act Two, like how his cards work. Basically, you you run off energy. Each turn, you gain an extra energy. You start with one energy, and second turn, you have two energy. Third turn, it goes up to like five or six. I can't remember. It goes up to six. Five. Six. Yeah. six? Okay. And um, your more powerful cards require six energy. But there's also cards that um, can generate energy. And there's also cards that can buff your characters depending on the circuit that you create. This one actually felt the most like magic to me just because, you know, for me it's a land a turn and then you have one more mana each turn. Right. The... The circuits is where I started to like have my brain fry. Originally, <laughs> I was like, "Ah, uh, no." Yeah. yeah, and that was the epitome of me being like, "I can't tell if this is a strategy I should be using to get the best outcome, or if it's just too complicated and it's going to ruin my ability to get anything of value onto the board." My goal when it came to circuits was, I'm not worried about my circuits; I'm worried about his circuits disrupting theirs. Yeah disrupting his more than 
buffing mine. Yeah. Uh, there's also another mechanic that's added at the very beginning of this part. Um, you have a hammer that you can use. Uh, the hammer allows you to just destroy a card on your board. So if you need to make room for a character, use the hammer, and you can use it as many times as you want. And I used it a lot. Oh, I did not. <laughs> I used it once. Yeah. Oh, I used, wow, it, like I used maybe, it a lot. I used it a handful of times, but like no more than five. Um, but yeah, we're now walking around a holographic board, much like in Leshy's area. The difference is, is that it is the world map of Act 2, but in holographic form, on top of things aren't random, like in Leshy's. Took me way too long to realize that it was the same map. When I figured it out, I was like, wait a second. Oh, shit. Like, this is this is literally the same map I was doing beforehand. I don't remember when it clued in, but I was just like, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And the other big mechanic that's added is checkpoints. Oh, thank yeah. God. Yeah, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I'm not starting from the beginning. And there was certain... Of, like, what another thing was there was event battles where... Essentially, it wasn't a battle against other cards. It was a battle against the timer to do enough damage to shut something down. Yeah. Yeah, a bomb going off or something. And, like, this is my favorite part of the game. This is where it went from a very good game to, like, this game might be one of the smartest games I've... Like, smartest games in terms of gameplay I've ever played. Because... This is where they took everything that you've learned so far and just throw you into the fire. Because, like, there is some very difficult battles in this section. There definitely is. So I never had a problem with any boss in this game, with, with the exception of one. But the the fights leading to the next checkpoint are difficult. Kicked, kick, yeah, kicked my ass more than any boss did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... The first boss is basically going to Leshy's cabin again to take on the photographer. The photographer's little stick is uh, in between rounds, he will take a picture of the board. And uh, taking a picture of the board, he can save that picture. And you can choose to use that picture again to basically erase the board. And, but the damage stays the same. And return it to the previous state that was in the picture. Now, the picture, though, is only uh, the, the photographer's front line and your line of cards. His line, the back line of cards that he has is not in the picture. So those stay the same. Yes. And... I liked that fact that, like, I couldn't stop what was coming forward. I could only use that picture to prepare myself and put myself in a better situation. So if the picture had a card blocking the way of a more powerful card that was moving up, I could revert to that previous photo and take less damage. Right. I, 
I feel like I cheat. I don't even think I cheese this boss. I only changed the photo once. Yeah, I I don't fight. recall. I know I had to fight him like two or three times, but I loved the concept. Is it the best use of that concept ever? No, probably needs a stronger boss battle. But the idea of reverting back to a previous time frame is something that would only be able to do. You'd only be able to do with a digital card game. Yeah, yeah, and, and it this was... is where I. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it was. It was easy to get get yourself to where if you have the one good image, then almost no matter what he throws at you, you can just revert and and beat it. So I, I did end up doing it once, like you did, Drew, and. I just I ended up having a really favorable board state at that moment. So, at one point when I wasn't doing well, I just reverted and then finished it out pretty easily. Yeah. And this is where I was like, yeah, I really would like to have this as a multiplayer game, um, where you know, you'd have to make some changes or you'd have to have that person play the role. But I was just like, yeah, these are really interesting concepts that I've never seen done in a card game. Like, there's no card in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic or Pokemon that tells you to revert the board back to a previous state. Yeah. Yeah, and there's enough of them in the game that you're like, oh, there's... You could do a lot if you could, like, somehow merge all of the different pieces of this game into something else. Like, yeah, multiplayer makes a lot of sense. Or maybe something like, uh... Like some kind of gauntlet where you could... You could almost replay your... Your roguelike version to get through... 10 battles or something. Yeah, a randomized battle system would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, it... Yeah, I just love that. And, um, like, unlike... Just to describe it, unlike Leshy, who puts on a mask, PO3's face, like, his the screen that is his face changes when he's the photographer. And, like, he's the background He's basically changes. uploading a character into his brain, almost. Yeah, I... Again, it's this really... This is where like I have to start talking less about the game and more about what I loved about it. Like I thought the Leshy thing was cool, but it made sense because you're playing a board game with him. Um, but to sort of echo all these portions that are in the first half of the game and second half of the game into this third part, like in a way that doesn't feel like cheesy, is fantastic. Like. You're, you're fighting the photographer. Well, it's in Leshy's area. Leshy has a, the camera. So, like, you are fighting this, like, fictionalized version of a fictional character within this fiction. Like, God, like, because they all talk around each other and don't like each other, they are all these, like, stereotypes in each other's eyes. That's such an interesting aspect of these characters. And they're they're... You know, you're only experiencing, like, two of them, really. Yeah. And, ugh, yeah, I just love that <laughs> fact of, like, this is what PO3 thinks of Leshy. Um, meanwhile, uh, Leshy's thoughts about PO3 is when, but PO3 is when he's the stout. Right? Like, or what is it? It's not a stout. Stout. Okay, right. Yeah, stout. Um, so he's the stout. And it's just like, that's what Leshy thinks of him. And it's just these really fascinating takes of, like, small character. Like, they could have just said it, they dis- like, but they didn't write it that way. They wrote it into the mechanics of the game. 
I love it. Sorry, I know that's really nerdy, but it's just like that's where I'm like. Uh, this is where this game starts to become like just not just a game, but like really intelligent like design on every level. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like this is a a world that has been established, much like how I, I know I go back to it a lot, but Matt, Matt, and I, you both, we both agreed that what made Dragon Age so special is that that first game felt like this has been an established world in like a series of books or something. Like it's just, it's so fleshed out. It feels bigger than just what you see. Yeah. And there's like small things because like the first section you get up from the table here and there are small things that are like around and you'd be like, why is that there? And it's like, yeah, because this is where this guy lives. It's very weird, and it doesn't make sense a lot of the time, because it's like, these are, again, these crazy sort of characters that shouldn't be sentient. And things things are recognized, you can recognize certain things in his environment because they're bleeding over from the asset files of the game. Yeah. Like, so, um, it's crazy, dude. Like, the, like we, we haven't even got into the crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is, um, not to spoil other games, but this is kind of Daniel Mullen's shtick. Yeah. Is this, um... There's oh, always more to it. There's always, yeah, there's, it, it's, he's never just letting you sort of, um, play through a narrative. Yeah. He's using the medium of video games as a very important part of the narrative. Now, I'm not going to tell you that these are the best narratives on the face of the planet, um, or even in the the best in in video games. They they aren't. Um, but what they are is that they are the best narrative to show you what makes a video game very different from the narrative that you could find in a painting or a book or a movie or a television show or even in a song, like. Those all have specific strengths and weaknesses, and Daniel Mullins, and I don't know if there's more people actually involved, but um, as a as a lead designer and the studio he runs, um, he understands that probably the best out of anybody. Um, right. You know, T- Toby Fox gets a lot of credit for what he did, um, and it's definitely worthwhile to point that out. Um, but at the same time, like, his stuff I could sum up as, like, understanding how save files can be read. And, you know, having cho- having a narrative based off of choices that aren't just yes and no's, but, like, your actions in the game. Um, it's not as deep as... Like, it's something you could only do with a video game, but it's not as deep as something that Daniel Mullins does, where he's using the idea of a video game assets as storytelling devices um within the game and then writing a narrative about a game within the game within the game and then doing other stuff that we haven't even talked about yet um it's just like what the fuck is going on and every time i've played a game i'm like always kind of like i've only played two of his games to be fair but like both games have gotten me and I should have known by the point, because by this point in the game, I've found out that he made Pony Island. And I'm like, okay, I know the weird shit that happened in there. 
there's stuff that's like Pony Island, but it doesn't do the same thing as Pony Island. He could have just recreated the things he did there. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it and uh, use similar mechanics, but do it differently. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, this is why, like, some stories need to just be told as video games. Like, the only other thing I can think of off the top of my head is, like, Nier. Where, like, you finish the game, but then it's not really over. Yeah. Yeah. This game, unfortunately, does end, however. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. Um... I can't remember what the second boss was. Um, yeah, it's where, it's where you go down to the 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 undead area, but I can't think of what it what the mechanic was. Um, I know what the third boss was. That yeah. was where you you make up your own rules. Yeah. Um, give me a second. Um, I'm just gonna look up description bosses because um, th- that is. The only thing is, like, I've been, this is now two months from since I've I've played Inscription. Um, oh god damn it! This is a guide based on like Leshy's Cabin. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted bosses. Um, the archivist. Archivist. But I can't remember what the archivists. Oh, I know what it was. Was this the your you're save going data? Th- yeah, you're going through your own your own hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the biggest files. And you're choosing the, again th- this moment with the narrative. See, this is, I, I confused it with PO uh, PO3's area, but like, so again, we're in this moment where he's got this undead character. Uh, what do they deal with? The destruction of things. So pick a pick a file on your computer, and if you lose, it's deleted. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. Does he? Have, I have does, heard does... people say it's true, but obviously it's the internet. There are this this isn't unprecedented um, because there are video games out there that do delete your game or delete your files if you lose in them. I don't know why anyone would play those, but those are those do exist. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is a thing. And you get a better boon if you give up a bigger file. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucker. <laughs> you can actually win the game without even doing damage. Um how how so? Because the bigger file you put on there, I put a file on there that just automatically. Oh right, yeah. Now this is this is one of the ones where it has um, two, right? It has two yeah, to, two sections. I think so. Yeah. Is this the one where? Um, is this the one where it pulls in your Steam friends? No, no, that's the other one. That's that's the. It's not Polly. It's something like that. It's that's like that's girl, PO3's area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I had trouble with. Yeah. Eight, nobody eight, wanted my cards. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, golly, that's her golly. Name. Yeah. That's it. Golly. So, um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then we go to the wizards area. Yeah, I can't remember what that 
boss's name was? Um, unfinished boss. The unfinished boss. The, yeah. the unfinished boss. Yeah. So, this is this was my favorite boss battle. Because it's just not finished. <laughs> uh, because because I broke it most multiple times. Because it just had to keep being like, no, you're not allowed to use that rule. <laughs> it would scrap. It would be like, okay. No, and then it would scribble that out and be like, you need to make another rule. <laughs> so I just kept saying, like, when I play a card, a card is put out or whatever. <laughs> and when a card dies, so, because you'd ask me, you can break it with, lo- like, sort of basic computer logic, right? When right. card goes to the graveyard, it goes back to my hand. When a card enters my hand, or when I draw a card does this and basically it would just it would make this long chain of events infinite loops where it would just sorry would it make like infinite loops it, yeah it would it would it would be damn close it wouldn't be infinite but it would did ha- would have an ending point it's not strong enough there but it would get to a point where it would just be like it would go allow that to happen like twice and then it would just go no <laughs> it would literally it would cross out the rule and you'd still see it spinning around him but it was just like, yeah, no, that that rule doesn't work anymore. So I had to keep figuring out how to like, sort of ease my way into that by setting up like a longer chain to allow that to happen still, because um, there's some that help you and some that hurt hurt you. So it was the idea was giving it one that would hurt me and then allow it, but then base something off of that that effect to damage the. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was great because it was just like I could keep shifting the rules slightly in my favor or if I just fucked with it enough. I, I, I thought I was ingenious. Like, if this happens, then blank. And I'm like, great. Yeah, making your own rules yeah. as you go along. And then going to PO3's area, we take on Golly. I don't like Golly. I don't yeah. either. Golly once summoned a nine thirteen enemy. Wow. Yeah. So she basically takes uh, people on your Steam friends list <laughs> and turns and, them into an enemy. Yeah, turns them into an enemy, and you got to fight them. What was the second part of her? Oh, right. You have to make card. Making, you have yeah. to make a card. So the first time, nobody took the card. Or the first time nobody took the card, I lost, started the fight again. The second time somebody took the card and didn't win, so I had to continue fighting her. Yeah. Lost that time. The third time somebody took the card and won using their, my card, and then the fight was over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like how you're getting the updates too. Like uh, one or two of those times took forever. Because they're like, oh, that was a strange play. I would, I would have done that differently. They're like, oh, he's about to win. No, didn't, didn't win. And I'm just sitting here, like, all right, is this, is this an actual other game that's playing out in real time? Yes. It, it most certainly is. Yeah, because mine is, was super quick. That was the the it's the demon souls of of. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> well, it is uh... true. Right? <laughs> Demon Souls, the Demon Souls of made you made you play as a boss in somebody else's game. So, yeah, 
And then after that, it's time for the Great Transcendence. Now, did you do any, like, of the puzzles in the room that you didn't have to solve? I tried. Yeah. But I, di- I didn't get any. There was there was some hard ones. Like, you had to spin the security bot and then flash it at the right second to get the card out of the totem pole. Um, there was the clock. I did get the clock. There was building the card. Where you print it, that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- so this is this was my favorite. Se- another part where like you could update the cards. He would put them into like his disc drive or whatever, and update the cards for you. Um, he would uh, add symbols to them, and then that's when the magic section of the like the cards, um, the wizard's cards, came into play and stuff. And like. Mechanically, this whole section, like the the flying drones and the and shooting over other enemies, <laughs> excuse me, and like just all the weird stuff that it started to add in towards the end of this, where it started to become this super complex game. Um, even though I felt like I was doing better, the more complex it got. Um, yeah, I. I was like, oh, it's building up to something, and then it doesn't really... I think that's the only real flaw, is it doesn't have that same big impact boss like Eleshi in the moon. Yeah, yeah. I, so my, my trump card for this section was the Roboros. Yeah. Every, every time it died, it would get gain a permanent 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> So it was eventually like an 8-8 eight, eight and just decimated everything. And it never died. It died and it would come right back into my hand. Yeah. I just had to have six energy to, to bring it out. So Yeah. I mean, sacrifices must be made. I Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, the, the plot here that the that PO3 is trying to escape the video game that he's in and that Lushy put him in the prison of the card <laughs> to stop that from happening but that all of them sort of want to do that but like they're like really worried that PO3 would do it. it I thought that was an interesting weird story so this is the story of inscription the game is happening while the lucky carter is dealing with the ramifications of having the disc is yeah. really like this weird like two stories that like I wasn't like super into the Lucky Carter stuff but I'm like this is fascinating like this video game character based off of a card game is trying to escape the card game by doing a bunch of shit and the other characters are also sentient are tr- we're trying to kind of stop him but I, I uh, inadvertently let him back out which returned the game to the previous state to allow him to take control. <laughs> and now he's escaping. So it's and... not necessarily he is escaping. He is trying to distribute this game. Yes, but he's escaping in the grander scheme of things because it is n- he, that will give him... like Again, it's a transcendence. So it's, it is moving past what he is now. Yeah. So, um, but he needs but, to upload but, to online. Yeah, so that's what he he basically um, 
was doing this entire time while we were fighting the bosses and stuff like that. So the photographer was taking screenshots of the game that he could upload to the, for the steam page. And the archivist was getting the, uh, hard drive space. And then the, uh, uh, golly was uploading or trying to connect to the internet. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and because he's digital, is he the only one who actually could have transcended, or could any of them? Uh, I think he's technically the only one that can. Like, everybody else is aware of it. Like, they're um, aware they're in the game, but they, they had no way to actually become, like, manifest themselves, right? No, I don't think so. Right? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. It's They're all trying to be bigger than they are. But, like, not in the way that PO3 is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like Leshy just wanted to have a, a game. Yeah, he Leshy's just, He just wanted to play a game. just bored. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... The, okay, yeah, we're not quite there yet, because uh, we defeat PO3, um, and then the transcendence happens anyways, right? Well, it was it was going to... If you remember, yeah, that's a good scene. He uh, he tells us we have to go down. We have to go check on a, um, a a surveillance camera that went down. And when we do, we actually go down into the basement of this area, and we meet with the other three scribes. Right, right. And the other three scribes are like, "Okay, we know what he's trying to do, and we have to stop him." Yeah, we're crazy. He's crazier. Yeah. Did you guys so, ever? get into slime world by the way slime world yeah i'm pretty sure like the slime has his own like area where he no. exists where it's just him and his painting yes yeah i i, I went there <laughs> this is a sad character i swear he's only there for a joke i don't <laughs> think there's anything else to him yeah i don't think there's anything else there either <laughs> but um trying to think yeah so yeah, we come back up and we say we try to distract them. Basically, go go along with the whole transcendence, which is basically him uploading inscription the game to Steam, so he can distribute it. And as it is being uploaded, the scribes show up behind him, and Leshy rips his freaking head off. Yeah, <laughs> I love the fact that they just reuse the hands reaching to you across the table animation basically and then just grabs his head uh. <laughs> so they they kill PO3 and they're like okay now we can get back to what we were supposed to be doing but then was it Grimora uh yeah the the dead lady yeah she's like now we're actually going to delete this and they're like, what? Yeah, it's already happening. Yeah. And so you and, fight them all in one-on-one -on -one card battles. As everything yeah. is being deleted around you, including the cards. Yeah. Yep, in each of their and, own gameplay styles. Or at least skins. Yeah. And I... I don't know. There, it's just this weird touching moment where like all these characters who have been sort of villains up until this point, right? We're kind of just like, I wish we had more time. Yeah. And it's this weird, like, coming... 
And, like, all of them kind of respond differently to it. Like, uh, I wish we could have had more time to play together. Uh, I'm sorry for, like, you know, the whole car- turning people into cards thing. And then the wizard just refuses to accept the fact that, like, everything is coming to an end. Yeah. yeah. Let me shake your hand one last... Dead. <laughs> Facing the normal yeah, mortality. the Leshy, the Leshy one was really good because I felt like it was the longest because it, you know you had that progress bar at the top of the screen just showing everything being deleted. Yeah, yeah. And then you know Leshy's like, all right, let's do one more game. And the first thing that happens is the the scale gets deleted. He's like, it's okay, we don't have to keep score. Yeah. And we're just throwing down cards, and then everything gets deleted, and the cards get deleted. He's like, well, that's that's a problem. <laughs> But I, like again, this weird, this weird character development that like that wouldn't have hit the same in the movie. Like that, we don't have to keep score. Right? Yeah. And watching your playing pieces just disappear in front of you, like, yeah, it could be emotional still. But like, you have played against this guy, you have lost to this guy. He had tortured you basically, and then he's like, it's. Who cares about the score? I just want to play this with you one last time, and that slowly everything's disappearing around you. It's like I guess this is not happening. Um. So after this, we see the we go back to Lucky Carter. Um. Yeah. After everything's been deleted, uh, and there's a few more videos. Yeah. The the first few are he hears he's apparently woken up all sleeping and he's like somebody's in my freaking house, <laughs> <laughs> you know all the yeah, fucking wizards of the coast coming in, yeah, and then um <laughs> it's the long lost soul of Gary Gygax going in, um, but um. There's a few crazy ones that happen in there. There's one where he's literally going insane and he's dropping dice onto a, a scale while laughing maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of cheesy, right? But, uh, uh, the, the last, the last big one is, um, he, there is, there's still one piece of, of data left on the disc and it's called the old data. And when he clicks on it to see what it is, you get a bunch of redacted stuff, pictures and, and text and stuff like that. And it's all redacted. He starts screaming like crazy. And then we see him with the disc on his desk and he's hitting it with a hammer while screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't tell if these were supposed to be more serious or not. (laughs) <laughs> I think they were supposed to be. They were kind of stupid for me. They were kind of. I was like, mm, this is kind of. This this is definitely. It feels like a YouTuber. Pasta. Yeah, <laughs> he's screaming. He's just not saying uh, racial slurs enough. That's true. But uh, the last scene we get is another piece of footage where he's filming. At, somebody's knocking at the door. He's like, "Are you serious? It's this woman again." And when he opens the door, she has a gun <laughs> with a silencer and shoots him in the head. 
He falls uh. over. The camera falls onto the ground, and you see just pools of blood filling up the uh, the floor. And she walks into the house and then walks out. Yeah, rummages for around then, for a while and then leaves. Yeah, and then leaves, and, and that's the end of the game. Yeah, so, so there is more to it, though. Though I know, I okay. know, and we can we can talk about. I tell you what, once you why don't you handle the ARG stuff because I know about it, but I don't know the full details. So crazy people with too much time and clearly don't have to review video games decide. Decided to work on the ARG portion of that. And there is portions hidden... Everywhere. Everywhere. Um, And, like, you get into, like, what... They started finding stuff out, like, um, that Casey had gotten possession of the Carnoffel Code. The Carnoffel Code has something to do with Hitler. Yes, that Hitler. Um, And Soviets and Cold War. And that Adolf Hitler's corpse... uh, is, has, is the Soviets have it and blah 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 blah? That stuff is all fine and dandy. That is not where I find interest. The interesting part, because that to me is like, and this is this is for a game that most people didn't care enough about. So the second game was very different. But the first Watch Dogs game, it keeps talking about um, bellwether. Bellwether. Yes, I believe it's Bellwether. It's a it's a string of numbers. And they are brought up a ton. And the payoff was absolutely nothing. So all this stuff is not interesting to me. What is interesting, however, is through this, there's a YouTube video. And the YouTube video shows um, the Lucky Carter's vi- uh, computer turning back on. And the game of inscription being uploaded to the internet and then PO3's face that's actually the stout face in ASCII code winking at the camera and that's it the transcendence went through you have played inscription you are part of it it's yeah. like this really ingenious like thing that we're like you have played inscription so it worked yeah you already know the ending because you're playing it <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to deviate for a moment to talk about a game no one should play called Y2K, a postmodern RPG, or Yik. That's what I thought. That's literally what I thought it was called for the longest time was Yik. They, so the set, that game is bad. From all sure. accounts, it's bad. They have tried to fix this game because they literally will never get money from anyone ever again because of how poorly this game was received. <laughs> so I think they're trying to save face. It is a... Game that look, there's like two hour long video of like a breakdown of why Yik, which they understood it looked like that, but you got to understand like if you put in Y and a two as in like the number two K, like you're never being found on Google. Yik, Y two in the Roman numerals K, stands out. They can make jokes about it. Had the game been good, the jokes would have been tongue-in-cheek, but the game was not. And it's partially because they were very bitter about how the world reacted to their last game, as well as the death of, because it's two brothers, the death of their mother while they worked on it. They changed the story. It's very sad. It's a very sad story that that it became a bitter game. And, and they've been, I think, trying to reverse their wrongs since. But 
and this is a spoiler for Y2K, so if you really want to play that game, I guess cut out now, but I don't suggest it, just watch videos on it. Um, the original ending of Y2K is about all these characters, and, like, you, it starts getting into, like, you play as an Alex, and he meets other versions of Alex's from all these other, to- like, dimensions or alternate realities where all those Alex's failed, because Alex the character that you play as always brings down the world right like he's the destruction he is the cause of the end of everything and the alex you're playing as decides i'm going to do that something that none of the other ones have done i'm going to ask for help and that's when the video game turns to you and asks you the other alex for help it pulls you in as a character into the video game narrative <laughs> for better or for worse it was something that was tried the audience participation was mandatory but they do it and inscription does the same thing and it's like it is something that i have to commend even if you fail horribly at it inscription like the fact that it's an afterthought like oh no you've been playing inscription so clearly it went through that's an ingenious narrative so Here's this really good card game with a bunch of, like, extra stuff on top of it. Like this, you know, cabin you get to explore. It ends. I go, oh, this is a good game. Oh, wait. It's asking me to play a new game. I start it up. I don't know anything about it. Boom. It's now a 2D RPG card battler. Like, Pokemon card... uh, Pokemon the TCG video game. Or the Yu-Gi-Oh! video games. Yeah. Um... So I'm walking around like it's an RPG, collecting cards to build a better deck. That ends. I've just got a bunch of lore. These characters now make sense to me. The characters that I previously met or previously met in the first segment as car- trading cards that I could talk now have some plot to them. And then one of them takes over, and now there's more mechanics. This game has now evolved into its next step, and now it's at the end of the cycle adding me into the storyline and just becoming this super meta narrative about video games and, and online stuff. And it's using parts of my computer to tell me the story. And I'm like, there's nothing like this. So not only is it a very good game, because let's break away all the extra stuff right now. It's a very good card game. It's fucking bizarre. And it's not like a, bad narrative that's trying things no it's a pretty interesting narrative with these kind of fascinating characters and yeah like i could not give it less than a 10 but how do i as a reviewer tell you to go and play inscription outside of it's a card game there's more to it than i can say because otherwise i spoil all of it it's true you know it's this it was this I don't know, man. Like, how could I not say it was my favorite game of last year when, like, it kind of just blew me away with the stuff it was doing? Again, knowing at some point what this guy has done in the past. Pony Island did some weird shit. Some shit that I still kind of laugh about. I'm like, that was pretty good. And then this game was like, yeah, but what if we used that more in a narrative sense, too? And, like, it doesn't even repeat the same trick. It just uses the same tools it's like fuck <laughs> so i have to i have to bring it up because i know you 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 want to gloss over it because you don't like args but i have to at least bring this up 
because I, I wa- Jay sent me a video okay. detailing the ARG. Now, the ARG was kind of like a timed participation thing because it was... There were parts of the game of the ARG where he actually sent physical discs to people. Oh, okay. So... I, I can't even begin to describe where to start, but it had to do with alt, like altering save files. Is this how it was discovered? Because what I don't understand, what I got from the internet was what you described, um, where you know you get more of the of kind of the background of things. You understand the, the Karnoffel Code and Hitler. I got that from the internet, but what I what I never got, I guess I just didn't dive deep enough. Was how, how did people actually initiate into the ARG? I mean, I, I know at some uh, points in the videos there were some codes. Yeah, so I'm going to send you uh, the. I'll send you and Anthony the the link to the video that runs down the entire ARG. It's literally 40 minutes long. Mm. Okay, then. It's. It, I mean, it details everything: how they cracked the codes, everything like that. Yeah, not just the outputs. Some of it, dude, the planning it took to make this happen. Oh yeah, yeah. like like I so when I when I kind of gloss over ARGs, I, I'm not glossing because I actually don't know the physical process of this one, um, and I'm not shitting on that part of it. I understand the interest, and at least this there is a payoff. If you like that's the problem. That's the problem that I have and you have with ARGs is usually they just pay off with shit. <laughs> so yeah. So to describe what, because you know what, like I, I realize we just keep saying ARGs. Some people may not know. The whole four listeners probably do, but just in case one of them doesn't, um, <laughs> ARGs. Um, sometimes they say alternate reality games. Some people say augmented reality games. It's whatever. Essentially, there are games within games. Something that you play in the real world. That is not that is based off of a video game. Uh, obviously, Matt, you talked about standing outside of a payphone for "I love bees" or "We love bees" or whatever for Halo Two. Yep. Right. Yep. My one and um, only experience so far. There is a big. There was a big one for Binding of Isaac not too long ago. Um, it was like the last. This was before I believe. Um, the new pixelated one came out. I believe this was for the original, like flash based one. Um, and it was an additional character and they started doing an ARG for it. And the people had to go to physical locations to, uh, uh, like dig up certain things, send that, what they like found a picture of it to, um, the guy who runs, um, uh, Ed McMillan, McMullen, McMullen, Ed McMullen, the creator of Isaac, uh, they had to send that pictures of that to him and like prove that they had it. And like, there was this big, long process of like finding these, these clues, like finding the clues, then deciphering the clues, going to the place, being able to dig it up. So that means that someone had to go there, dig it, put it in somewhere where somebody wasn't just going to accidentally unbury it. Um, and then once all the clues were in place, because 
I think they had had a problem where a previous character had leaked in an update, like somebody had dug through the files and found the new character. The, the, the idea was that they were going to make people solve this. Once they solved it, that's when they put the patch live to add the new character. That way no one could see that the new character existed until the ARG was solved. This shit's fucking crazy. Um, there's a a video uh, about the worst video game ever. I wouldn't call it a video game, but it's by Ashens, who's the brown couch guy who used to do all the pop station reviews that are like the bad LCD games. Um, he was talking at a university about a game called Hair Razor. H-A-R-E. Razor. Fa- fascinating. ARG. It takes place around a like it starts with a book, like a picture book, and a gold necklace, and like the video game ended up being a spawn off of that to get for somebody to make a quick buck off of the ne- finding the necklace, and the whole process of somebody literally stumbling upon the necklace because of how weird this ARG, this proto ARG was. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're super fascinating, but it takes a real type of crazy to A, make it and B, to solve it. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to do some of the more self-contained ones where it's you know, like a game in a box where you get newspapers and you know, it's like hunting a killer and that, Yeah, that's, that's I'd argue um, I'd argue that's just a game at that point. Like, in ARG like... Yeah, but it's like, it's like a hybrid of board game real life, because like they'll leave yeah. your phone calls and you go to websites, that's fake true. websites, so it's yeah, it's this kind of like hybrid game. It it leaves out the video game part of it, but it's still kind of hybrid board game real life. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Hunter Killer kind of uh, does do that. Um, I would. Yeah, I guess I would call it that. I I think the I think the thing and this is where Drew and I agree on is that most ARGs are are shit because like the payoff with with inscription is more story. You had to be invested into to inscription to want to solve the puzzle anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's actually a big one for uh, Frog Fractions too. Also, that that's a whole saga. Um, but it's like the payoff has to be worthwhile. Like Matt, you were standing at a payphone because of you, you because the Isle of Bees thing, but you knew that had to do with Halo Two. No, right? not at the time. So at the time, really? Yeah, at the time, like, the, and that's why the only. That's the reason I think I'll probably never experience one the same way because I didn't know what was happening. You know, I I remember like revealing new parts of it, and you know, n- nobody at the time at least seemed to know what it, what it was for. And you know, there was there was talk of the spider, and they're like, "Oh, SPDR, <laughs> and it's a single player demo release." But for what? Eh, okay, so but were you? I guess the question is, were you satisfied with what you got? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I so I I would have almost said the opposite though. For me, the the, the amazing thing and, and the reason I'll never forget it was the experience, the experience of knowing that I was like on these websites trying to solve real mysteries to figure out what was going on, and then there was this story that was unfolding about an AI who landed on you know on a website and is like becoming self-aware or, or is self-aware and is trying to figure out what you know what to do i'm like this is just a fascinating like sci-fi story that i'm literally living i'm part of this story so the end result you know i i couldn't even tell you what the payoff was at the end but 
the the, the well, journey was fascinating. Halo Two reveal, I believe, was the end result. If I'm correct, if if the internet has not lied to yeah. me, it was like Halo Two was like presented once that was like figured out, like early. Yeah. Um. The payoff for most ARGs nowadays is like more ARG. Yeah. Or like a very shitty ending of a story because they really haven't thought it out. I'm not saying there needs to be a reward. I, I guess that's my point. Like there needs to be some sense of satisfaction in a either narrative or like real world sense to have people go through the process of standing outside a phone. And like a lot of it isn't that, that involved, but like there's a game called no players online. And like, I know it, that one. it is a, like the epitome of like why this shit doesn't work in my opinion like here's a really interesting concept you're playing a um first person shooter it is an arena game but all the no one's playing the game anymore and like it's haunted or whatever but again the payoff is more narrative and more arg every time you solve a puzzle and it's like very poorly thought out yeah. to the point where it's like you need to have like if there isn't a reason to turn a page here at the end of this then you've failed and that's the problem with a lot of ARGs it's just like more spooky stuff or or like did you not realize that there was a ghost in the machine all along the AI is taking over whoa government conspiracies nonsense and it's like that's all fine and dandy, but like there needs to be some sort of payoff. And there, like, if you're invested in a web series per se, and like the payoff is just, you know, congratulations, you've solved it, or more lore. Like that's not enough. Like if it's going to lead to the next video, interesting. But that a lot of ARGs just don't understand what a, makes a game fun. Um, well, the ARG of of inscription led to more lore, but and again, it did lead to, to the the final you know little clip of right. You've been playing the distributed copy of inscription this entire time, but you also but, weren't like it wasn't like there wasn't a, there wasn't like a lack of a full of experience a full experience, yeah. right? The so, ARG was just supplemental. Yeah, and the, because even without that ending, it's interesting still. Like without the ARG, it's like not missing anything. With the ARG, that is there for those people that want to engage with it. And like, had the video game just stopped at one point and said, "No, no, the ARG needs to be solved to get the next part of the video game." Well, it's it's like, also interesting because the ARG here doesn't seem like. I mean, I, I haven't seen the video yet. I don't know what it actually consisted of. But the the reason I Love Bees was so cool was that you were playing out kind of the narrative in real time. Like that was the story. It didn't it didn't then link to a piece of a different story. It was its own story. And mm -hmm. it, it almost seems here like you're doing the whole AR, ARG just to get an eight second clip at the end. No, no. There's 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 more lore. Again, this is yeah. A, okay. okay good. Let's all right. Let me let me you can't, explain a little bit. Okay, well, we're, one, we're talking quickly, about you okay. can't you can't stumble into the inscription ARG. Um, if you look up the frog faction frog fractions ARG frog fractions two technically, um, people were stumbling into that not knowing what what it was. 
Yeah. And we're like, what am I looking at? This was in an indie game. What is this? And there, and it started to explode. And then people s- slowly were like, I don't know what this is, but this has been in here for like months now in this other game. And slowly, surely, everybody was like, okay, so we have a map of something. And like people stumbled into it. And not everybody is going to be happy with frog fractions. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're in the inscription ARG, you've been playing inscription. And if you've decided I'm going to get involved with this, like as long as there is a payoff, I think you'll be happy with it. So the more lore makes sense because they're already invested. It's not just like a web series that started up and decided to become an ARG. I should have specified that. That's what a lot of web series do now. Um, is that Marble they need Hornets. an ARG. Because Marble Hornets did it, everybody needs to do it. Um, <laughs> but I, the whole idea just... of the self-contained one sounds better to me. I don't know, knowing very little about ARGs. But I guess this is this is self-contained to some extent, right? Like, it, it, there, but there's a payoff still. I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, my, I feel like I'm just kind of like stumbling around. There is a lack of payoff in a lot of like Drew. Uh, what's the one Walden Files or whatever? It's a Walden re- Files. It's a really shitty um, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff, in my opinion. <laughs> mm. um, but it's a it's a series online. And they want you to solve. So, so this is imagine like a series comes out. You're watching a couple videos, but then they're demanding you solve stuff to get a complete experience, rather than presenting a complete. Like I love bees. The website was its own experience, but then it grew bigger as you dove more into it. Right. That's from my understanding. Yeah, and it was it was the narrative of the story of this AI, and then it's on this website, and you're, like the website itself is being corrupted and changing over time, and it fits this whole narrative, and this AI is scared, it's being attacked, and you know I don't know that that whole like self contained thing was cool. Had you know you didn't so, ever need. So a imagine somebody giving you half of that, and then demanding you to solve the ARG to even get the other half. Yeah. To even know it's an AI, you know what I mean? Like. That's how a lot of people think, like, oh, the reward for solving these hard puzzles is going to be more of the thing that I gave you for free, and really not any better for it either. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, in my eyes, an ARG should be, like, the comic supplement to, like, a a big movie. Like, oh, I like Blade Runner, so I'm going to read the Blade Runner comic book. Not, I like Blade Runner, but to get the ending, I need to read the comic book. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like, the the inscription here, you get an ending, it's a complete experience. Oh, look, the inscription comic book, aka the ARG, is out, right? That's where I'm like, that is how that works. Like, I Love Bees was its own experience. Hey, it branched into Halo 2. Why did I think it was Halo 3? I swear they did one for Halo 3 as well. Anyways, um, and it's like... So, you know, it was its own thing. There was a narrative ending to it. Boom, here's also Halo 2. There's some payoff. Like, most of these are just like, you need to get the next chapter. Sorry, Drew, I cut you off. So, um, a few things regarding the ARG. Um, There was... So if you paused um, one of the videos with Luke when he was out in the woods, he held up a card 
that had coordinates on it. Those were different coordinates than what was stated. Those coordinates actually led to some place. Ah, so those and, are the ones they dug at. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they actually went there. It was in Alberta, I think. Is that where he is? BC. And, BC yeah. is in. And, and like, that's another thing. I always kind of get irritated by that fact of like, oh, you know, it's great on some level, but like, say I'm solving this in like Japan and I get to the point where like, I can't, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I can't go dig there and I'm going to go trust somebody else to do it. Well, he actually met with the guys (laughs) and was there with them. Mm. I'm not upset with the fact that like, cause it was more of a community thing payoff anyways, but it's one of those like, you know, what if you were the only person paying attention to this? (laughs) It's yeah. true. Um, so they did that. There, there were codes that they had to crack that they would give clues and then they would have to do other things. There's literally a code that they had to crack by changing the save data in the demo to inscription. Yeah, that's... That's kind of crazy. So you, you you had to you had to download the demo to inscription was which wasn't even called inscription back then it was called something else. That's a lot of uh, forethought. Then you had to download a free to play game that he made in 2013, <laughs> and you had to you had to it was a little mini fishing game, and you had to. You had to fish to a certain depth, and then occasionally you would pick up something that just had a random code on it that you would then put into the save file of inscription, and then it would play out something different in the game. There was a lot going on. He even... We didn't even... Like, just... Outside of that, we didn't even fight the mycologists. Like that's how fucking surface level we all are. Yeah. <laughs> so that, there's there, there's also there was uh, when you go to meet with the demon. Yes. In the in the in the third act, mm-hmm. if you play in letterbox mode, there's a code above the demon. Right. I knew that hmm. part. Yeah. That's crazy. And. There's what was the other one? No, it's not one. letterbox. You have to play in four by three. Yeah, and then there was um, gosh, what was the, what was the other one? I thought it was kind of crazy. Oh, there was there was a code. Literally, there was a code in a failed Kickstarter that he made five or six years ago for these cards that he made and how how were these links established were people just supposed to find this randomly or were there was there a trail of breadcrumbs between them so he would leave a clue that was cryptic like um like one of the clues was start from the beginning so people were like okay well we have a code that we need to put in somewhere and it and we have to put it from start from the beginning so that's when they said 
he released a demo of Inscription like a year earlier. Go download that, put the code into the save file, and something happens <laughs> in the demo that you then use in the full game of Inscription. I, that man, this is, this is like seven, 17 layers deep, just like the fucking Frog Fractions 2. Where people were like, is Frog Fractions 2 ever coming out? And the guy just kept like hiding in bushes when people would a- see him and ask him. Um, and then. Homer style? The f- <laughs> Legitimately, I'm pretty sure he ran away from people. <laughs> like, there's a couple times where people would ask him in person and he would just jump out of the way and like run away and stuff um and then like all of a sudden all these indie games like random indie games and from different years and like stuff that hadn't been updated in a while all of a sudden all had these like weird parts of like a, a, a metro map but it was like circular or whatever and people were like what the fuck am i looking at and at the end of the day it was like hidden somehow it led to people figuring out that the frog fractions 2 is hidden in a game called glitter mitten grove (laughs) and you have to do again just like the original frog fractions you have to do something fucking weird and by the way i don't think there's any frogs in frog fractions 2 it's not even called that but it is frog fractions 2 it is the same sort of weird shit it's this weird rpg thing that's built in the it looks like an old DOS game, you know, the ones where like it was like bright characters on black backgrounds. <laughs> like, uh the the amount of planning alone to hopefully have someone figure this shit out. Can you imagine if they didn't? <laughs> Can you imagine if you went through all this work and they didn't fucking put any effort into solving it? <laughs> That's like um that one that YouTube channel I keep sending you every once in a while the uh the last key of Solomon. This dude recorded like a hundred different videos of him doing like numbers, just calling out numbers, and it has like ten views on dude, each video. And and like this this is again my my the statement like there doesn't seem to be. Any reason why I would put effort into figuring out what the fuck he's saying, he could just be crazy. And it could just be more bad lore. And it could just be, like, there is an art form to it. Can't necessarily put my finger on what makes a good ARG great. But, like, I can tell you what makes it bad. And, like, fuck, man. Go to any of those spooky... I, I've, I introduced you to, um... Uh... Nexpo, but like, yeah. you know, he's covered some fucking shit. The Walden oh, Files. Oh, God, yeah. And it's oh, like, God, yeah. But it's like, and I'm not trying to shit on people that may like the Walden Files, I just don't think, like, I remember watching that video and my eyes glazing over because I'm like, I don't, this is, this is too much nonsense. Yeah. You could just tell this story and like, no play, uh, no players online, same thing, you could just tell this story doesn't require any sort of solving there's no real interesting part going on you're just obfuscating your nonsense just tell me god i remember so i got my wife in the next book she likes the investigative reporting stuff of course and we sat down and watched the the walden falls <laughs> thing and she She's was like, like watching this again <laughs> well she, she was like what happened to next i was like he's done a few of these we just skipped them 
like the whole what, dad uh, YouTube channel. That was another one. Um, speaking of bad ARGs, so I really like Nathan Barnett. He's uh, Keith Apicary. Um and Keith Apicary is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's a comedian. That that was a thing. And and like he, I, I had to stop following him on stuff because like he wanted Dad to be more. And I guess maybe it took off. I don't know. But he was doing Keith Apicary on America's Got Talent, so clearly Dad wasn't the fucking answer. Um, <laughs> and it was just this really. It started off like fine. It's weird. But, like, eventually it got to the point where it was just like, okay, but, like, now you're letting this... He's, like, trying to pretend that it wasn't him anymore and it was something else. And I was just like, man, I don't need this. Like, this isn't, like, an interesting story to me. And I don't know. It just, like, a lot of this stuff seems to just grasp people that want something deeper but don't actually want to just read something that's more thought-provoking. Like, what was the story with Dad? Dad's creepy. Okay. I mean, that's pretty much a... I don't know. It was... It's dumb. <laughs> but, um... And you... But, but like, uh, you know, to bring us down a little bit, Drew, you and I, we're the dumb ones that should like that. <laughs> you know? Well, it, we well, share weird shit like that a lot. We share creepy and weird shit like that a lot, and most of the time, this stuff doesn't pay out. And, like, exactly. I don't know why... But the inscription one, like even though I didn't take take part in it, really solving it, like the payoff to me, I'm like, yeah, that I kind of wish I hadn't gotten involved. That's really interesting. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff in here, and like, while I'm not necessarily needing to have Hitler somehow be added on into this game, um, like it's Activision trying to sell another COD game. <laughs> like, I'm like. Yeah, what an interesting concept that there's way more to this story if you want it to be. So there's the I have to we're gloss we're at least glossing over what the actual lore. Oh yes, go ahead. Sorry. So the old data that's actually in inscription is, um, Carnoffel code, right? The well, it's it's Carnoffel code, which once you solve the ARG details what the Carnoffel code it doesn't actually detail what the Carnoffel code is it details how they got it so after World War II the Soviets took Hitler's body they found a deck of cards arranged in such a way in his pocket that it spelled out the Carnoffel code or what they called the Carnoffel code and apparently that is a code that can be used to summon great evil or something like that that code was then taken to Russia which was then put onto a disc which was then shipped to the United States it was found by somebody and somehow got into the hands of Casey who works at Game Funa and she decided to hide this data so that nobody could get a hold of it by programming a video game around it, which was inscription. And then she died in a fire. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> well, it's obviously some kind of government conspiracy. Of course, of course. Because somebody's trying to get a hold of the Can I just code. can I this is where so this is where like part of it falls apart for me. And this is this, again, I I brought it up in their first episode. Um, it's a fucking floppy disk, man. 
you sneeze on them, they they fucking <laughs> they, they can't read data or can't uh, you can't read the data on them anymore. Like, run a magnet, man. Like, you don't have to fucking erase. You can make that Carnoffel code just disappear by like standing next to a fridge. Yeah, you don't need to build an entire <laughs> game to hide it. Yeah, no. Yeah. Or you you just you pick up the disc and you go snap. And then just for good measure, you pull the plastic pieces apart, and then you just give a good snip to the magnetic disc, and we're done. But it's it's never stated in the ARG or in the game itself, but they believe that the Carnoffel code that is inside the disc started bleeding out into the game, and that is why the scribes became sentient. Ah. I see, I don't need that. Again, it's a, like a piece of lore that is there. And it's, I'm not. I'm not saying. Oh, it's not canon. Obviously, it's from the guy that wrote the game. But like, it's just a. All right, I didn't need an explanation of sentience, you know. Which is, I think, yeah. the art form of of the the writing in this game is that again, it exists on its own, and this is all supplementary. So we have some emails. Let's go through them, shall we? Yeah, I'm curious to hear what First anyone thing. else thought. Well, first email comes in from Dustin. It's called Inscription Finn. Hey, guys. So I swear I lined up the cards on the picture, but it never unlocked. Hmm. It just gave me a different set of cards to set up, and I never did it a second time, so no potted plant for me. I forgot to mention my Damien card, a 3-7 with a blood cost of 1 that had poison. Also had a three-way attack, so it cleared the board any time it came out. All right, that's a pretty powerful card. Uh, so does anyone know how to get the sword and staff or what they even do? Uh, also, what does the globe do? You can spin it, but nothing happens. I, I, from my understanding, the globe might have something. I actually haven't looked up the globe. I've looked up the sword and staff. And no one seems to have any idea what it is. I, I don't think they... I think those are probably just red herrings at this point. Yeah, I'm guessing so too. Um, You know, but watch, like, that'll be the, the fucking thing for, um, you know, his next game. You'll have to go back to Inscription. <laughs> and, and pull and finally, the staff off the wall. And, yeah. Because um, apparently this game is also connected to... The game I have not played for him called The Hex. Yeah. Partially. I've seen that referenced so. a few times. Yeah. Let's see here. Okay, part two, or what I call the Super Mario Brothers 3 section. I chose the Magician deck. Oof. And stuck with it through the entire part. I went to the Witch first, but she was tough, so I went up to Leshy, and without... Uh, or whatever and drew some better cards then i finished off the witch got a, a hunch the robot was behind everything went and killed him and then did the magician last and chose to replace him even though i suspected the robot but it really doesn't matter now we start part three this is where the game starts to fizzle out for me oh it's a it's a mix of part one and two together but not atmospheric as part one I did like how you're switching between the four different decks as you progress. The hardest part was the entire game for me was on my way to the witch. 
There are three battles before the checkpoint before her lair. The third battle is on a bridge and you're confined to three lanes. For some reason, I failed that fight more than anything in this game just based on crappy RNG with my cards. It didn't help that if you lost, I had to do the first two battles over. I did manage to get past it and finish up all the areas pretty easily. Then the ending. I don't like the ending. I don't know how it leaves you with more questions than answers. It doesn't do a good job of explaining the overall story, too. I picked up on most of it, but after reading an article explaining the ending, I missed some major things. One of them being a character sprite from the previous game that uh, the Hex briefly appears on the game Funa agent's face as she shoots him. Possible spoilers for the Hex, but people are theorizing this character might have escaped the game and is trying to get the old data for itself to take over the world or something. I didn't know this game was tied to his previous work, so I went back and played Pony Island just in case there was lore from that, but nothing really stuck out as being important for this game. I briefly looked at the Hex, and yeah, I doubt I'll play that game. I do find it annoying that there is carryover from the Hex when you think this is a standalone title, which basically is besides the ending. I really don't like the hidden ending. It's not even available yet. When did you play this? I think I played it recently. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's there. I mean, it's only like eight seconds, but it's there. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's more of a, I don't know, maybe you meant like accessible in the game to like everyone. Yeah, it's a YouTube video that is unlisted. You had to have a link to get to it. Okay, so rolling back to uh, Yik, um, Yik has an alternate ending that is a happier ending. And again, playing into the whole you're part of the video game uh, storyline, uh, the joke is that you'll never be that Alex because you literally can't play it. It is an ending that only exists on YouTube that is a much happier ending. They did I mention that game is kind of filled with spite? Because <laughs> that no game kidding. has a lot of spite towards the player. Which is shitty when you're selling a game to this. <laughs> yeah. God. I'm not a fan of these games that hide these encrypted codes, whether it's Morse code or tweaking the game files. Oh yeah, that's another thing. The, the start button that was flashing, that was Morse code. No. <laughs> no. Uh... It might be clever for an Easter egg or whatever, but this game takes it to an entirely new level. The fourth encryption had them uh, filling out an order form, and the creator had to shut it down since he received so many already, and now it's just hurry up and wait for the next piece in the puzzle. I mean, yeah, this type of crap is cool for the .0003421% of people that are smart enough and patient enough to come over every last bit of code in the game, but I'm not that person, so I rely on the internet to let me know what I missed. I honestly don't think it will add much to the ending anyway. He must have beat this game before the ARG finished. Well, maybe. Maybe he did. Uh, hmm. I All I have to say is, like, to me, this might be just like a you know, a purely a taste thing. Like, I'm one of those people that sometimes just doesn't need everything explained to me. Like, the story is fine as it is. There needs to be, obviously, like, some things explained. Otherwise, like, what the fuck am, What the fuck is anyone doing, right? But, um, I, I, 
the only thing that I didn't understand was like that I didn't put together was that I was playing Inscription, so therefore the transcendence actually happened. That was the only part that I hadn't put together until I watched that video and went, "Oh, fucking me!" Okay, got it now. Yeah. Otherwise, I was just like, "Yeah, it was a pretty fun card game. There was a story to it. I stopped the bad guy, I guess." Um, and you know, everybody like there was a reason why they were locking him away in cards and shit, and like. You know, and, uh, you know, the game's sentient, so they want the disc back. And this is before I knew about you know, they saved Hitler's brain type shit was involved. <laughs> but, like, to me, that was enough. Like, again, I wasn't writing this game, uh, you know, because I gave it a 10. So I have to take some credit for potentially pushing people in the direction of it and them not liking it. I wasn't giving this game a 10 because oh, look, the narrative's one of the best things that's ever happened. It's, hey, this is a really good narrative that plays a lot with video game mechanics, and it's a very good video game. It's not just one of those weird, like, I don't know, there's a bunch of, like, games, like, Portal-esque stuff that wants to be more than a video game, but it's, like, at the same, at the end of the day, it's just, like, this is kind of just a big joke. Um, There's, like, don't push the button which has a 3D version that kind of feels portalish, and it's like don't push the button. So you push the button, and then you have to solve a bunch of other parts of the thing because you press the button, and you can just yeah. finish the game by not pressing the button. Sorry, it's don't press anything. That's what it's called. And it's like, well, I get it, but like at the end of the day, like this is literally just a kind of a gag that ends pretty quickly. And it's like, no, this is a very good card game. And then here's some weird shit that we're going to do that, again, only a video game can do. Right. It says, uh, this game is really good. It okay. has four four different card games in it that are all fun to play. Part one of this game is amazing and honestly the best part. I would have been content with just that part of the game with more puzzles and four different playthroughs with the four different decks. And I could have gone without the real world mystery. I think it would have been a stronger game without it. The real world stuff just muddles everything. So why is it that when you continue the game at the start, you're in a cabin, but when you start a new game, it reverts to a 2D game? I thought that was weird. Well, that's that's the actual game that's on the disc. Yeah, you're what, playing what, a corrupted thing beforehand. Yeah, you're you're playing the AI's become sentient and has changed the game, basically. Uh, the game is hard to recommend to people since you can't tell them anything about it, but I, uh, but I still think it's worth playing for sure. Is it a 10 out of 10? Hell no. It's probably an eight. Anyway, see you next game. P.S. The witness is the best puzzle game since Tetris. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. It's not friendly or audio impair or colorblind people. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less brilliant. Maybe there's mods out there to fix those issues. You know what? That's a fair statement. I'm not criticizing the actual puzzle aspect of, of The Witness. Like, it's kind of hard to when, yeah, I, I did enjoy some of it. The The issue I have is, unfortunately, Jonathan Blow and part of his game philosophy. And, I mean, I say this as someone that plays... We all play lots of video games, um, you know, Dustin, you, you play a lot of video games. Um, you know, Drew, Matt, you play a lot of video games. Everybody listening probably does too. We You start to pick up on, like, the ways people try to incorporate the audience. And I'm 
video games are an interactive medium. If you want to make something that is strictly you're making it for you and audiences can either enjoy it or not, maybe try movies. That works more. Like, you know, that's how you get your auteurs. But, like, that doesn't really work in video games because it's a mass market. So when Jonathan Blow's sort of, like, shtick is that I'm smarter than you are because that's kind of his shtick. Like, he did it in Braid and then he did it with The Witness. To overlook something kind of that minor, I'm going to call you out for it. Not because it should be there because I'm I'm... If there's one thing that I'm consistent on, it's about being able to play games. Everybody should be able to play whatever they want. Uh, not so much platform-wise, because that's a totally different conversation, but, like, for, you know, um, people that, you know, can't see color or are deaf or, like, maybe only have one hand. Like, accessibility, important. Um, so to come out of the gate and kind of be like, I'm, I'm smarter than you are, and to overlook something, I'm going to be like, fuckhead, you forgot that. Um, and again, it's his attitude and this idea that he's so much smarter than every other game creator. It's like, I've shit on Hideo Kojima in the past, um, for kind of beating up his own ass with stories. But like, I don't think he ever thinks himself better than anybody else in terms of his game design. And like, that is a thing where it's like, I can only point to, I guess maybe I could point to Phil Fish, but I don't even think he's that bad. Speaking of ARGs too, but um, you know, it's the only, it's one thing that's like Jonathan Blow just really wants you to know how smart he is, and to me, like your game could be perfect, and like don't get me wrong, there's some really smart things with The Witness, like really smart things, but okay, like you know, that should not be the goal of the designer of how smart I am. And, like, that's the thing that I took, walked away with. And that could be just me. I totally, it, it could just be a me thing. Uh, I'm willing to admit that. But, like, that was the reason why I probably said that last episode was just, like, man, he rubs me the wrong way. So when you overlook something like that, I'm going to make a point of it till you know, I'm blue in the face. Seeing as yeah. how I had to fucking paint lines on shit. <laughs> yeah. No, I get where you're coming from. I I'll sum it up this way. He showed his piss jug on Twitter as a, like, source of pride. And, like, no one... Not... Don't show piss jugs on Twitter as a source yeah. of pride of how hard you worked. It's weird. So, uh, next email comes in from Jay Lee. Uh, I don't know him. Yeah, I don't either. This is titled A-R-G-G-G-G-G-G. Uh, too lazy for pleasantries, nerds. Right, fuck you, you, guys, <laughs> you guys don't have to watch the whole video as it is quite long, but it gives you an idea of how massive the laundry list ARG stuff is in this game. Uh, check it out before recording and after oh, having th- completed the game. Pretty thanks, interesting Drew, stuff. Thanks for sending that along. Well, you, uh, <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'll send it to you now. I tried to, I tried to talk about it as much as I can. And last email comes in from Jamie. Now, this was sent January 20th, so it was for last week's episode, but I'm going to read it out. It says, uh, hi, guys. I am not a card game person. I'm talking all card games. I've played a little Hearthstone until I got a, until it got overcomplicated. I played literally one game of Gwent and Witcher and hated it. 
So I'm not entirely sure why I picked this game up. Maybe because I like puzzles and this has a lot, a bit of that too. I remember the first card game starting and thinking, I'm going to hate this. But for whatever reason, I decided to give it a go. It took me a really long time to get used to the mechanics, mostly because I was trying so hard not to die. Then I realized I wasn't really getting ahead until I understood that dying is supposed to happen and really, really helps down the road. I love the, the around the cabin stuff, looking for clues around the cabin, trying to figure out the puzzles were super fun. I also got up and went to the gold teeth from, went to get the gold teeth from the skull as much as possible. Listening to your last email, uh, I had all the same feelings. Anytime I knew something had changed in the room, I was clamoring to get out of the chair and go explore to see what had changed. So for the first act, I got all the cards in the cabinet, the safe, the dagger from the squirrel so I could cut my eye out and solve the cuckoo clock. <laughs> The, the way goo. that's written the way that's yeah. written is like oh yeah that's really disturbing when i think about it that way i know i have to get this i have to get the dagger from the squirrel to cut my eye out <laughs> yeah to solve the cuckoo clock solve the, <laughs> the jar of goo uh some random card under the safe which i never saw again and have no idea what it was i don't know about that one what and the potted plant Matt mentioned. In terms of the bosses, the prospector was okay. I don't think he ever killed me, though I was pissed when he turned all my cards. The angler was easy once I figured out that he grabs every other card placement. So you can place a card, then uh, the next round always just leave a squirrel on the board, ideally in front of one of those kingfishers. Then he will pull it back and he can't attack you in that column anymore. So that makes the rest of the around super easy. I got really, really good at beating those two because I really struggled with the trapper slash trader battle and had to do it all over again and again and again. Eventually, I found that whenever I died, how far I got really depended on two things. One, good death cards. And two, getting a good totem from the woodcarver. Uh, then I had uh, a squirrel blood totem life so uh was so much easier. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. took me a really long time to see the benefit of the totem, but once I did, it was so much easier. Uh That way, any time you play a squirrel, it's worth three blood. So oh, it opened up yeah, okay. way more options for my cards. I lost once to Leshy, then I beat him on the second try. It took me forever to get that second try. Get to that second try, though. Still, I only fought the moon once, and it died in my first strike because I had a card with a skull. Oh, so that cool. was the easiest part yeah. yet. And my boon was draw twice, so that made it so much easier. Huh. So then we get the videos, which were great, and I loved when he finds a floppy disk and has to go order a drive for it. Like Anthony, I googled the coordinates... Uh, would have been f uh, more fun if it was an actual place or something cool showed up online. I chose to take the place of Leshy. Still don't really know what that means. Though when I went to the second act and walked around the four different areas, the first person I beat was whoever was the stink bug. I haven't really gone much farther yet. 
just got into the new area and started playing a few skeletons. Not sure I like the format of this bit. I don't love the card games this way. And I'm a little worried that there will end up being way too many types of cards. I find it all, all, I always struggle with card games the more types of cards there are. I'm not great with deck building games. And when there are so many possible types of decks you can build, I find it even harder to strategize. But I'm still really enjoying this game and I'll definitely keep playing. Lastly, I love all the little secrets in this game. My mind was blown when Matt mentioned that you can feed the ringworm to people around the fire. I wish I had thought of that. Thanks for letting me know about this game. Really enjoying it, Jamie. I, You know what? Now that, now that Jamie mentioned it, I didn't even think about it. Like, yeah, the second part of this game is the only part where you build a deck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's even a, a auto-build. Yeah. Like, oh, man. So... I think, I think like reflecting on this, like as we've talked about it, maybe maybe ten out of ten was too high, but like I came off the game, I I want more. Like I think that's the thing that most games I I finish, especially when I review them, I finish them and I kind of am just glad that they're done. And maybe that's too much, just inside baseball. <laughs> um. But, like, you know, most times it's just like, fuck, okay, I'm done with this, moving on. And at the end of Inscription, I went, that was really good. I think that game, like, there is not a part of that game that I really can point at and go, that's where this game falls apart. You know, or this one segment of the game was bad. And all I can think of is, like, I think of where they can go with this. Like, it can get better, it doesn't need to. And that's usually not the case. Like, usually, like, you go, ah, you know, the jumping could be a bit tighter, you know, whatever. Obviously, it doesn't work here because there's no jumping. But, like, ah, you know, the puzzles, they could... But, like, the puzzles really aren't necessary to finish the game. Yeah, the leshy cabin, you kind of need the cards, the, the character cards. But, like, those are the easier of the puzzles. Yeah. And, the harder ones are like stronger cards that help, but you know, you don't need to, you, you, and you can brute force a lot of the puzzles in Leshy's cabin as well. Unlike P, uh, PO threes. And so it's like, and it wades you into the, the mechanics. It doesn't, it doesn't start throwing uh, the undead cards at you until like you've been through a couple times. And that's when they're like, Oh yeah, you can summon this one with a, with bone. <laughs> and it's like, just the perfect amount of learning and it's like again it's just they've thought about everything and maybe that shows in the fact that their ARG is as complex as it is but it's like no no they're not going to throw you in and have you build a deck which is like every other card game that you can play is like here's a deck of cards figure it out Um, so I don't know It, it was just this really weird experience it does a lot that's Again, I even his previous game didn't do, and and now that now that um, I was worried, I didn't want to spoil for Dustin, but spoilers for Pony Island, everybody. Be yeah, careful. I will be playing or at least trying Pony Island okay. and the Hex. Pony Pony Island, I st- is is like 
Pony Island is sort of a cursed computer story. And okay. there is a moment in that game that it tells you to focus on one part of the screen. And it does some stuff where I went, that might be the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Of how good... It plays with you as a person and not as a character. And then there's like a mediocre sort of like rainbow unicorn attack sort of game where you're like moving a pony in the head and it's weird that Satan's possessed a computer <laughs> in this amusement park and it, it again, the the plot is there. It's not the greatest plot ever. It works for what it is. But it decides to do all this other shit in the meantime and it's just like I I don't remember. I don't know if anybody remembers this, um, or because maybe you didn't play. Do, does anybody remember the Impossible Quiz? The Impossible Quiz. Mm. It was a flash game, and it was a flash game that like asked you stupid questions. There was there was a couple that you just had to like put in. It was like a white screen. There was like four buttons. At one point, it says, "Put your mouse here," and you put your mouse there, and it says, "Build a bridge." And I remember, like, going, what the fuck does that mean? Because if you move your cursor off, it takes a life. <laughs> and you actually need all your lives to finish the game. Because um, you have to use them all. The final question. Um, to build a bridge, you right-clicked. It would pull up the macro, like, the flash thing. Like, oh, you know, it's got, like, two options. The little, um, I don't even know what those are actually called on the computer now. But when you right-click and the little window pops up of all your yeah. options... Mm-hmm. Pop that up so you, you didn't move your mouse. You just right-clicked. When you put the mouse where you need to be, you right-clicked. And then you use that that w- new little window that it opened up to move your mouse across to the other button. And then you click the button. <laughs> that was how you built a bridge. And it was just this ingenious, like, again, you can only do this mechanically on this format. <laughs> and it's just, like, these smart little things. So it, it, Pony Island does a bit of that. And I was just blown away. And then... You know, the first portion of, of Inscription doesn't do that, but then it starts doing that type of stuff in the sec- the third ha- a third part, and I'm like, what the shit? Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, I, I still love this game. Maybe 10 is too much. I don't know. I just think it's, like, a perfect card game that that's I would play the, in real life. That's the biggest thing, and I feel like that that's, that's kind of my final thoughts on it, is that it's this game is a card game. And it's basically, what if a card game had a story? And I mean, sure, it's a bonker story, but <laughs> it's it it it's I mean, it, it, at its core, it is still a very very competent card game. Um, you know, I, I I compare it to Magic: The Gathering. I compare it to a few other things, but. Um, People who, you know, are into card games could totally say, hey, I could totally see myself playing this game if it was just a full real card game. So it's kind of genius how this guy created a full on card game with multiple different play styles and then wrapped around it. A 3D world, two different 3D worlds that you can walk around in, and then on top of that, a 
probably two or three year long thought out ARG to go along with it. Yeah. Like there's no telling how long this guy has been working on this because he has, he has incorporated things into the ARG that were from the demo of this game before it was even called inscription. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to, to a failed Kickstarter that he made in like 2013 that, that randomly had something to do with cards. Like it's crazy. Like I, 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 I never would, I never would have thought about this. If you want, if you want me to say something bold, Jonathan Blow, eat your freaking heart out. <laughs> oh, okay. I, even I'm not saying that. I just said fuck him. <laughs> I mean, ser- I mean, seriously, it's like, I mean, Jonathan Blow is a smart guy, but I don't think he's as smart as this dude. This dude, this dude has has he he is the Batman of video games. He ha- he is ten steps ahead of everybody. Yeah, it's impressive. Like I I thoroughly enjoyed my time with this game. I, there was some there were some moments I was just like, ah, this is kind of a slog. Like going through PO 3s area and losing again and again and again. And I was like, ah. and a lot of that had to do with just RNG. That's the only like. I guess that's the other thing that I could have said, like, oh, you know, RNG, but if I'm saying it's a card game, you bet, like, you better expect RNG, like, yeah, I'm playing, true. so I, I, now and then I pick up the Yu-Gi-Oh! one that I have on my Switch, because it allows me to play with the more classic cards, and it gives you a deck because you're going through, like, battles from the TV show, who gives a shit, but I fought, um... Yugi, the main character, for people that don't know, there's five cards uh, that are called Exodia. Basically, they all suck alone. But if you get the right, if you get both arms, both legs, and the head in your hand, you win. Now, back when the rules were very basic in the actual card game, you could just cheese it by having cards called Pot of Greed, and they had to ban that card. Um, because people would just load their deck with, like, because there's no, like, oh, you have to have this many spell cards and this many trap cards. It was kind of like freeform. You could have one monster in your deck if you wanted to. Um, so somebody just loaded their deck with Exodia pieces and pots, uh, jars, pot of greed and just drew pots of greed, put it down, draw, drew two cards. If they needed more cards to get Exodia, they would just put down another pot of greed and draw it. So that was the way to cheese it. You can't do that in the video game, however. Yet I've seen Exodia summoned a lot because of RNG. Because I was facing Yugi and like I could not draw it. But when it became that I was facing him, because you get to do the reverse battles, that card, those five cards, ended up in his hand quite a bit. And like I can't really blame the game because it's like yeah, it's got to do some random number generation. So it's gonna happen now and then. It's Eric. shitty, but You're I don't play card for, games. You, you're talking about people modifying their decks just to do the things they want to do. You're giving me bad flashbacks to fucking mill decks and <laughs> Magic the Gathering. You know, you, wanna, yeah. you know what the dumbest rule was? At one point, Yu-Gi-Oh! decks didn't have a maximum card limit. <sighs> there was a picture of a guy, I think they were in Germany, they had a deck of cards that was like two feet long? <laughs> And that's when the rule got implemented of like, yeah, okay, we have to limit this to 60 cards. Fucking 
God, I hate mill decks. If you play a mill deck in Magic the Gathering, I want you to just <laughs> stop playing. She's having flashbacks to Nom. Uh. <laughs> Dude, mill decks suck. Like, do you know what a mill deck is? No. So there are cards in Magic the Gathering where you can play it, and it says that your opponent mills, like, two cards. Milling means you take your card from your deck into the graveyard. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you it's, run out of cards, you die. Yeah, so you the lose. mill deck is just, I'm going to burn through your deck as fast yeah. as possible. D- different way. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. God, I hate it. Yeah. Matt, how about you? How'd you feel about this game? Yeah, I'm a little torn. I... I I I really like the game. I like it, but I mean, I overall, hate it. I love the game. I mean, it was really cool. It was really interesting. It was a great card game. All all these things wrapped together. I just you know to as as almost a counterpoint to what you said earlier, Anthony. I kind of spent most of my time thinking, man, I, this is good, but I, I wish there was some more to it. I wish Act Two was longer. I wish I had the ability to keep playing. I wish at any point in the rest of the game I was having as much fun as I did when I was in my flow in Act 1. Like, you know, I I felt like that, you know, that deck was getting better and better. I felt like I was getting better. I felt like I was able to line up the the symbols so that I was able to make my most efficient kind of run through the the world. And, you know, I I had a couple of play sessions where 3 hours disappeared like in an instant. And I couldn't put it down. I never got into that kind of flow in the rest of the game. Be- you know, the the whole of Act 2, it was more interesting than it was fun. I still was evolving my deck. I was still making it better and, you know, bu- building up and fighting bosses. So it, it was still fun. I just, it, I don't know. I just, I never got, it never went as deep. It went broader, but it didn't go deeper. Whereas Act 1 was deep, but less broad. And you know what? I understand the way you the way you worded that make me understand what you mean. Yeah, like it's not, um, uh, you you feel like you're you're doing. Uh, that's not a good way to put it either. I understand what you're saying though. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would agree that I liked everything I played. I just yeah, I, I don't know. I I thought it was cool. I I love the the ARG tie-ins, even though I wasn't ever a part of it. Um, you know, I I don't know it it does make me super excited for whatever the next game is. And I wish there was some kind of update to this to allow some of the other play styles. I mean, with, with all of what's built in the game, you know, give me a little bit more of a sandbox, maybe like even in, even in act two, without more battles, without more bosses, if I could have just replayed them to get better cards, man, I would have done that for hours, but I would love to see seeing as how there is the mod for Leshy's cabin. Uh, the infinite play of Leshy's Cabin. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to see. Like this is this is where I, I get maybe again my 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 hopes affected my score. I don't know, but like a multiplayer mode would be cool. The infinite mode would be cool. Oh, we got that. That's neat. I would love to see that for the other scribes. Yeah. Um, and and because because the weird chess game thing yep was interesting yep. let's have more of that and uh let's have more of the wizard battle because that 
that you don't get enough time before that whole segment just wraps up and deteriorates. Um, But, like, again, though, like, I'm like, to me, that doesn't, that not being there doesn't deteriorate my experience. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I, 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 I just, I just saw something on my phone. <laughs> it said, "Scientist, my invention can create matter in all three forms: gas, liquid, and solid." My asshole, you know, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is the shit that he sends me. He'll send this stuff to us, like at the most inconvenient of times. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Matt, that you like. Maybe I overhyped this. No, I, I mean, I, it, it is a super, super interesting game. I, I really, really liked it. It's and it's my kind of game, right? I like the mystery. I like the card game mechanics. You know, I, I liked everything about the game. I just, just kind of wanted more, I guess. Well, the good news is I can't spoil the hex for you because I have not played that myself. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, that's going to be it for us. Uh, if you would like to send an email, it is drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And Anthony is at Complacent Robot. But um, yeah, our next game is going to be a return to the Yakuza series. We're going to be doing Yakuza 4 uh, next um, I actually started that up this, uh, today um, for a little while. Uh, and then the the game after that, we are going to, uh, I, I alluded to it earlier this week, uh, we're going to poll the audience again. We're going to ask uh, uh, you guys uh, what you would like us to play. Uh, we're going to come up with four games. I'm going to have two games, and Matt's also going to come up with two games. And we're going to have you guys vote on which one you want to uh, to play along with us, hopefully. Um, and that'll be the game after Yakuza 4. So uh, look for... It'll be on the Phoenix Down Twitter. At uh, ZTGD Phoenix Down. And um, probably in the next week or two, we'll put that poll up. And um, <laughs> I'm just having, I'm just seeing everybody writing in, like not accepting any of the options, and just writing in Xenosaga. <laughs> oh Jesus! I'm not playing Xenosaga. <laughs> Jay, I heard him say he's playing uh, Xenosaga. Yeah, if you record You're that with a little Jay. editing, you can make him, you can make yeah. him say that pretty easy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, fake. definitely. Oh man. I'm playing Xenosaga. Xenosaga. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. I uh, hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And I'm Anthony. And we are out of here. Hope you guys have a great week. And we'll be back next week with the beginning of Yakuza 4.